Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come here this morning to worship you and to hear from your word. May your word speak to us as only your word can speak. In your name we pray, amen. This morning the text is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. A familiar passage, John chapter 3, 1 through 21. I'll be reading it at this time. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, water in the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher? Said Jesus, and you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, that is, the Son of Man. And just as Moses was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This week as I was preparing for this message, I I did a Google search. See uh, See what Google would say. Asking the question, are people looking for God? Are people looking for God? Are they searching for God? All kinds of answers about how to look for God a little bit on why people look for God. There's some good answers, some not so good answers probably, not biblical answers. My guess is that there are some people who are looking, 
who are searching, trying to figure out who God is. And then there are many who are not. In our text, we find this encounter of Nicodemus with Jesus. Nicodemus was searching. He had some questions. And he came to Jesus in the night. Maybe so he wouldn't be harassed by his other fellow religious leaders. Maybe he wanted a more private conversation with Jesus. In the daytime, it seemed like Jesus was pretty busy and there was crowds always around him. Maybe he wanted a private, more personal conversation with Jesus. Nicodemus, as we know, was one of the religious leaders of that day. And he wondered about Jesus. He recognized that Jesus was from God because of all the miraculous signs Jesus had been doing. Maybe Jesus was this promised Messiah that we've been looking for. And Jesus' first response to Nicodemus was, very truly I tell you, you must be born again. No one can enter into the kingdom of God unless they are born. What? Nicodemus wonders. How can this be? Jesus says, you need to be born of water and the spirit. You need a spiritual birth to take place in your life. You need a new birth in and through Jesus. You need to put your faith and trust in him. You need to believe in Jesus. This morning, I'd like to look at this passage with the overall theme of believe in Jesus. Heard that message before? A few times. Believe in Jesus. This is what Nicodemus needed to do. This is what those that are searching in our world need to do. They need to believe in Jesus. And this is what we always personally need to be doing. Believe in Jesus. We find in our text that Jesus, the Son of Man, is to be lifted up. So what does this mean? In verse 14, it says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake into the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Jesus is referring to when he would be lifted up and crucified on the cross. The cross is central to our relationship with God. You notice something in our church? You know, this is big cross. It's the center of our relationship with Jesus. Jesus had to be lifted up on the cross. To understand a little bit of the context of this verse, uh, let me read from Numbers 21, 4 through 9. It says, They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on their way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Why did you bring us out of the slavery? Right? You catch that? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread. There is no water. And we detest this miserable food. Sometimes I wonder... Are we like the Israelites when we complain about God's provision for us in our life? This miserable food, Lord. When we complain about things in life, we're really complaining to God. It's kind of interesting to think about 
Anyway, then they said this, and then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake or serpent and put it up on a pole. Then when anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. The serpents were sent by God as punishment, as judgment upon them and their sin, and people died. But God provided a way for the people who had been bitten so that they might be saved. All they needed to do was to look at the snake that Moses had set up in the camp. As the serpent was lifted up, so Jesus was going to be lifted up on the cross. He suffered a cruel and painful death. Why did Jesus die on the cross? The religious leaders of that day thought they were getting rid of somebody. They thought, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. Crucify him. Let's get rid of him. He's he's blasphemed. At least that's what they thought and said. But in God's plan, that wasn't the reason Jesus died on the cross. He didn't die because the religious leaders wanted him killed. He died because it was his plan. Jesus was lifted up on the cross as God's judgment on sin. On the cross, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath and judgment on the sins of the whole world. On the, ju- on the cross, Jesus took my punishment for sin, and he took your punishment for your sin. Jesus speaks of his coming death on the cross in John chapter 12, verses 27 through 33. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. On the cross was a time of God's judgment on the world. On the cross, Jesus became sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God that we might become the righteousness of God. He became sin for us, this holy, spotless, perfect lamb became sin for each one of us. I don't think, at least personally, I don't think we have or I have any idea of what Christ suffered on the cross, of what he did, of what happened there. We could maybe imagine a little bit of the physical suffering, but the suffering of having the sins of the world placed upon him and being separated from his father. 
Isaiah chapter 53 gives us a little bit of a description. Verses four through seven, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted and he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. His suffering and death way beyond my understanding. Though it is such a, so in one sense, way beyond our understanding, much of it a mystery of how it all could take place. Yet I'm grateful that on that day so long ago, that Jesus was lifted up on the cross for me, for you, and for the world So how do we uh, believe in Jesus? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? What is this belief? Is it, uh, I believe the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl next year. Is it that kind of belief? And the next day you say, probably not. I don't believe they're going to win the Super Bowl next year. How many believe that they're going to win? You guys have, you're you're good. How many believe they're not going to (laughs) win? So, it is, it, you know, this belief is not a kind of wishy-washy, one day I believe, next day I don't believe. Our belief in the Lord is supposed to be uh, a continuing, settled faith without any doubt. It's not a momentary kind of thing. To believe is not just a mental belief also, but a belief that comes from the heart, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. To believe is in God is to totally turn to God and realize that there is no other. Isaiah 45, 22 says, turn to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. When the Israelites had been bitten by the serpents, they could have responded in two ways, we find. Either they could believe that in looking at the serpent, they would be saved, and then in their belief, they looked, or they could not believe that this looking to the serpent, and they would refuse to, to look, and they would die. We are encouraged. We are invited. We are urged. We are prompted to look to Jesus, to put our faith and trust in him, to believe in Jesus. John chapter chapter 3, those familiar verses, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his death his burial, and his resurrection. At the end of the service, we're going to be celebrating the communion together. 
And we'll be reciting the Apostles' Creed where we say, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Believe in Jesus. Acts 16.31 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. John 20.31, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe in Jesus. And then sometimes in our belief in Jesus, we are like the man who said to Jesus, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Sometimes there are doubts that come. And may the Lord help us. May the Lord help us in our unbelief. What are the results of believing in Jesus? For those looking to the bronze serpent in faith, the result was life. For those who believe in Jesus, there is eternal life. As the scripture in verse 15 and 16 says, everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. I say that in believing in Jesus, there is life, high quality life, a rich life, a fulfilling life, and a life for eternity. The world or the devil, sometimes they can promise life. Advertisers promise life. You know, you buy their car or use their product. Oh, life is going to be great. In our world, we see all kinds of, in reality, in our world, we see all kinds of sad, broken down lies, not lies that are going to be lived for eternity. In Jesus, there is life both now and forever. There will not be this perishing that is talked about in John 3.16, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. So the opposite is true for everyone who does not believe will perish. Some 50,000 people perished in the recent earthquake in Turkey and Syria. 50,000 people perished. They cease to live physically. We think about that. They're a predominantly Muslim country. And the Muslims do not believe in Jesus as their savior. So in respect to eternity, they're perishing, suffering an eternal damnation and an eternal perishing. That's the reality. In believing in Jesus, there is no eternal life. And there is no more condemnation. Verse 17 and 18, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Believing in Jesus is the only way to live. So believe in Jesus who has been lifted up for you and for me. In our world, though, there are many who do not believe in Jesus. Jesus. 
when the serpents came to the Israelite camp and a person was bit and did not look to the bronze serpent, they would die. It doesn't really say in the passage that anyone didn't look at the bronze serpent, but more than likely, I kind of think there were a few that said that, that didn't believe. Those who refused to believe, I mean, really? Looking at a bronze serpent, that's going to save me? Yeah, I can't believe in that. Looking to Jesus, that's not going to save me. We would say how foolish of the Israelite who wouldn't look at the serpent. And so can't we say also how foolish. Six, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. There will be no escaping God's wrath. There will be condemnation, as it says in verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Those who do not believe in Jesus will perish for eternity. Only by belief in Jesus is there escape. Now, God does not desire that anyone perish. He loves us. We see that by him going to the cross. It was out of his great love that Jesus came to this world and was lifted up on the cross, as verse 16 says, for God so loved the world. First John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. What great love God has for each of us. I'd like to read a little illustration. It's called The Love of Christ. It goes this way. In the cup of grace, Brian Chapel writes, on Sunday, August 16th, 1987, Northwest Airlines flight 225 crashed just before taking off from the Detroit airport. 155 people were killed that day. One survived, a four-year-old from Tempe, Arizona, named Cecilia. News accounts say when rescuers found Cecilia, they did not believe she had been on the plane. Investigators first assumed that Cecilia had been a passenger in one of the cars on the highway onto which the airliner crashed. But when the passenger register for the flight was checked, there was Cecilia's name. Cecilia survived because as the plane was falling, Cecilia's mother, Paula, unbuckled her own seatbelt, got down on her knees in front of her daughter, wrapped her arms and body around Cecilia, and then would not let her go. Nothing could separate that child from her parents' love, not tragedy or disaster, not the fall or the flames that followed, not height nor depth nor life nor death. Such is the love the Savior has for us. He left heaven, lowered himself to us, and covered us with the sacrifice of his own body to save us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him may have eternal life.
Do you believe? Are you believing? Today and always, may we rejoice that we have this opportunity to put our faith and trust in Jesus, that we can be born again, that we can be sure about our eternal life. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you that you came to this earth to live the perfect life that we could never live and to die the death that took all our punishment away. We thank you for that. We rejoice in it that we can be safe in your arms, protected by you. We thank you for that. We give you praise. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.